The Language of Ballet. Ballet terms are in French thanks to Catherine de Medici, who took ballet from Italy to France, where ballet developed into a formalised form of dance under her enthusiastic influence. Every movement has a precise French name which gives dancers a spectacularly accurate signal of the exact movement the term relates to. Each and every minute ballet movement has a name and as dancers learn a ballet piece, a perfectly natural string of words accompanies the steps in their brain. It's a beautiful thing. No sooner does a ballet term enter our heads than it instantaneously translates into corresponding movement. Glissade, jeté, pas de bourrée, assemblé. A simple enchaînement, which literally translated means glide, throw, step of the run, or running step, assemble. Enchaînement means a chain of steps. Even though I find it easy to pick up movements, I find it far more difficult to learn non-ballet movements that do not have the accompanying terms. Please don't fret those fluent French speakers amongst you. The translation is not perfect. There is a good deal of artistic license. A glissade glides across the floor. A tombe is a falling movement. A pour de bras is the carriage of the arms. Devant, derrière, à côté. Forwards, backwards, sideways, these French terms are second nature to ballet dancers. A class that I found fascinating was Benish. This is a method of notating dance on a musical stave. You can notate right down to the movement of the fingers and even toes and the direction in which the eyes are looking if necessary. It's amazingly accurate and complicated and I can't claim to be able to do it very well but it has been a tool that I have used for lots of things ever since I learnt the basics. Our education at the school was so limited in many ways. We never even touched on physics or chemistry, which has left me with an aching enthusiasm for those subjects which still seem like magic to me. But on the other hand, diverse and often considered pointless or less important subjects like Benesh, drama and history of ballet, which still makes my husband howl with laughter that I actually have qualifications in them, are the very subjects that kept a dancer's enthusiasm and imagination bright throughout their lives. Music in the Corridors Piano lessons were an extracurriculum class, which meant they had to be paid for on top of the school fees. I would have given anything to take piano lessons, but I simply couldn't ask my parents to muster up a penny more. Nearly everybody took piano lessons, though, and my friends were very generous at passing on what they were learning. I learned quite a few pieces and gained a good basic knowledge of how to play the piano just by playing around in the music room with my friends during our free time. Music was in the air, everywhere you went. It was glorious. The piano room was in the basement where we entered the main house and kept our char shoes. These were cherry red shoes with a low heel and a little button fastener on one side. They were our indoor shoes and used for character classes where we learnt dances from all around the world. When they were new, they were horribly difficult to fasten. Another little hurdle when I first went to the school. I always imagined that char shoes was another way of saying tea shoes as they were worn for tea and any other meal in the main house, but I guess it was really short for character shoes 
as they are always worn for character dancing. The musty corridors of the cellar were a bit scary when it was not full of students, as the lights were on a timer, so when there was not someone slapping the button to keep them on, you could find yourself in pitch blackness. It was warm and damp down there because the ancient hot pipes which served the school with heating and hot water always had ballotites wrapped around them to dry, which gave off a weird, sweaty, soapy smell. The one telephone box was down there too. Tweenies were allowed to phone home once a week on Thursday evenings. There was always a queue of girls waiting to phone home. The girl on the phone would usually be crying because they didn't want to get off the phone and their money was running out, along with the next girl banging on the door outside the booth telling them to hurry up. Phoning home was something we all looked forward to, but it was very stressful. Throughout all of this, the dulcet tones of Mozart's best-known tunes or the clinking of the well-known tune chopsticks was always in the background. Sobbing, laughter, tinkling piano music, banging on doors, running footsteps, upstairs, downstairs, the boilers firing up. These are the sounds that linger in my head when I think of the school basement. Flu epidemic. We were dropping like flies. It was thrilling. We loved a bit of drama and the flu epidemic was getting more and more dramatic by the day. To us it was the Black Plague. So many students were sick that we all turned into mini Florence Nightingales as it was all just too much for Matron to cope with. To begin with, she tried to segregate the sick girls from the healthy, but that became impossible. There were just too many students with flu. This strain of flu was so strong that it was impossible to do anything but languish in bed. So once sick bay was full, newly sick girls just had to stay in their own dorms and then it was almost impossible not to catch it from one another. We had an outing to see L'Après-Midi d'Enfant at Covent Garden during the epidemic. Annabelle had just started to sneeze, so she, we knew she was about to come down with the flu. But so as not to miss the long-awaited outing, she pretended she was fine. As always, we sat next to each other on the coach with our packed teas in paper bags made by Bill and Mabel. Sandwiches, an apple, a chocolate biscuit bar and a carton of juice, which was still a relatively unusual and luxurious thing. The performance was wonderful, of course. When it ended, a few of us, feeling inspired by the wonderful royal ballet dancers, loitered in the stalls until everyone had left. We did Grand Jeté en Tourneau up and down the aisles until we were asked to leave by the usherettes, who wanted to get home, but pandered to us for a little while, enjoying our first ever performance in the Royal Opera House, even if it was in the aisle. As we left, I remember looking all around at the magnificent ceiling, the grand boxes and the stunning heavy curtain, and I just knew I would perform in that theatre one day. On the way back to school, we stopped off at a fish and chip shop in Streatham, where a boy was inside with his hand wrapped in a tea towel that was dripping with blood. He had been ice skating at Streatham Ice Rink and the top of his fingers of one hand had been sliced off when he fell on the floor by a speeding skater. He was so drunk that he didn't feel much and was trying to buy some fish and chips. Once the owner had removed him from the premises, he served us. We were too hungry to be put off. Annabelle and I bought a bag of chips and a can of Coke to share. I remember sharing that can of Coke and knowing I was guaranteed to get her flu, but hey, 
We were best friends and it felt like a good thing to do. It turned out very good actually, as after a couple of days we were both so ill that we were sent home. This was unheard of, but I think that by this time Matron had given up and just sent home as many girls as possible. It was almost the end of term anyway.